define himself, his wealth and his money and his status, he's called to give that up and define himself in relationship to God. And it's too hard. The man can't do it. Uh, Following Jesus is simple but hard. Often we make following Jesus very complicated. Uh, We create uh, a set of rules and discussion points, uh, and the complicated rules are designed to make following Jesus easier. Uh, We try and create uh, lots of different exceptions. Well, in this situation, I'll do something different, and another one, I'll I'll approach it a different way. But Jesus doesn't do that, uh, particularly tonight. Uh, Following Jesus isn't complicated and easy. It's simple and hard. Uh, Tonight's passage is a simple but hard one. Uh, Tonight's passage reminds us that we're called to forgive. Uh, There's no exceptions. Uh, There's no different rules. Well, in this situation, do that. But but tonight's passage is simple but hard. We're called to forgive, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the wrong that's been done against us. Uh, This passage tonight uh, leads us right into the heart of the gospel, uh, right into the heart of the kingdom of God. Uh, And we learn tonight that it's simple but hard. And as we talk about forgiveness tonight, uh, often we want uh, tricks and tips and methods to make forgiving people easier. Uh, We want uh, different uh, ways of doing it, like a seven-step strategy to forgiving someone. Uh, I have no tips and no tricks to make that possible. Uh, Because whatever way we look at it, however we try to do it, forgiving people is a hard thing to do. Uh, But it's simple in that Jesus tells us that we have to do it. Our our passage tonight uh, begins with Peter and Jesus having a discussion. Uh, A passage says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Uh, Up to seven times? Uh, And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Uh, Now, when we read the Bible, uh, we need to know that numbers are very important. They're significant. Uh, Whenever we see a number in the Bible, we we should ask, why is that number being used? Uh, Numbers are used in two ways. Uh, Firstly, we would use them to explain the number of uh, things or people in that situation, Uh, but there's also a a symbolic meaning behind them. Uh, So, uh, for example, Jesus calls uh, 12 disciples. We know there are 12 disciples. Uh, There are 12 disciples because Jesus calls 12 people to follow him. There are literally 12 people. Uh, But the reason Jesus calls 12 people uh, is because uh, he's drawing a parallel between them and the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, Numbers uh, convey mass and number of things, but also uh, there's a deeper symbolic meaning behind them. Uh, so when Peter says, uh, Jesus, seven times, how many times I have to forgive someone? Is it, is it seven times? Uh, he's saying it because uh, he wants to know literally the number, uh, but also uh, seven means perfection in scripture. Uh, the number seven means perfection or completeness. In other words, uh, when I've done uh, seven acts of forgiveness to this one person, is my uh, obligation to forgive complete? Uh, Have I done enough? Is what I've done sufficient? Uh, And Peter is being uh, really generous in what he's trying to say. Uh, Peter is being uh, more kind and more generous than the culture at the time would have suggested. Rabbis would have said, uh, you should forgive people three times. Peter would have been taught, you have to forgive three times. Uh, They got that from the book of Amos, where Israel sins against God three times, and he forgives them three times, but on the fourth, God exacts revenge and justice on them. Uh, So the rabbis uh, took that instance, and they did what rabbis do. They made a rule out of it, and they told people to live by that rule. Uh, So Peter, in suggesting seven times, uh, is actually going far beyond uh, what his culture would have suggested he did. He's going far beyond what the rabbis and the other religious people would have been doing at the time. But even seven times isn't enough. 
Jesus says, no, Peter, not seven times, but 77 times. Uh, Jesus isn't inviting us to to go and get out our notebook uh, and start chalking up the number of times we forgive people uh, and try and get our way up to 77. Uh, And when we've hit 77, when you've wronged me 77 times, uh, that means I can sit in judgment and not forgive you. I can choose to be uh, bitter and angry and resentful towards you, and I can try and exact revenge. That's not what Jesus is doing. Uh, Jesus says 77 times to point out how ridiculous it is that we would have a number in the first place. How ridiculous uh, that we would uh, decide to limit forgiveness. We would decide uh, you have gone beyond forgiveness. Uh, You've gone beyond justice. You've gone beyond grace. You've gone beyond kindness and love. Uh, And now I put myself in the position of judgment where I can decide that you've wronged me and I don't have to forgive you. Uh, Jesus is pointing uh, to an overwhelming forgiveness. Uh, Peter is trying to make a kinder law. Uh, He's saying, well, why don't we make the law, the old way of doing things, just a bit more generous? Why don't we kind of soften it up a little bit and make the law look kind of friendly and nice so that everyone will like it and get along? Jesus says, no, I'm not giving you a kinder law, but a whole new way of living. It's a way of living not founded on law, but founded on principles of grace and love and mercy and justice. Jesus says, not seven times, but 77 times, I command you to forgive. Maybe you're here tonight and you think that you've heard talks on forgiveness before. Maybe you think that you've heard lots and lots of discussions, lots of talks around it. Uh, But Jesus tonight wants to show you, remind you of the depth of his forgiveness. Uh, He wants to give you a sense of wonder and awe. Uh, He wants to rekindle that that first spark in you uh, where you were blown away by the mercy of God. Uh, Where you were caught by his extravagance and generosity. Uh, He wants to remind you tonight of his great, deep, unending mercy for you but that you're given that mercy to give it to other people as well. We're not looking for kinder laws tonight. We're looking for uh, revelations of love and grace and mercy tonight. Uh, So off the back of uh, Jesus' discussion with Peter, Jesus does what Jesus tends to do. He tells a story. uh, And he tells a story uh, about uh, a king who's calling in all of his debts. Uh, The king king will have given out sums of money to different people, and the the right of the king is to call in the debts whenever he wants to call in the debts. Uh, And the king decides that today is debt collection day. Uh, So he summons every person who owes him money uh, to come into the court of the king, and he'll tell them how much they have to pay him back. Uh, And so uh, people come and people go, and some people pay, and maybe some people don't, but the king gets to this servant. Uh, And this servant uh, owes the king 10,000 talents. Uh, 10,000 talents. Uh, And the king says, can you pay me back? Uh, And the man says, no, I can't. I don't have the money to pay you back. It's all gone. I have nothing left. Uh, And the king does what the king is entitled to do. He says, in that case, you need to go to jail. Your wife and your children go to jail as well. And we sell everything that you have, all of your possessions, any property that you own, we sell that in a bid to recoup some of the debt that you've accrued against me. Uh, Some of that story gets uh, lost in the translation uh, over the passing of time. Uh, The debt that's being talked about uh, is utterly ridiculous. Uh, At the the period that this story was told, uh, a talent was the largest sum of money uh, that someone could own. A talent. It was the equivalent to 33 kilograms of gold. One talent. This man owes 10,000 talents. This man owes 330,000 kilograms of gold to the king. 330,000 kilograms of gold. 
It would have taken uh, the servant 16 years to earn one talent of gold. The debt this man has is 160,000 years worth of work of debt. That's an awful lot of money, isn't it? 160,000 years. They've said uh, on Monday that the, the first children uh, are in school now who will work until they live until they're 100. Will live until they're 100. It's impossible to imagine someone uh, living and working for long enough uh, to pay back anything like that sum of debt. It's an impossibility. It's an absurdly, comically big number. We had, um, we had someone in the 9am uh, whose job it is to count things. And uh, they're very good at counting things. And when, um, when, they got, when I got to a duller part in my sermon, there's one coming, uh, they, um, they got out of their notebook uh, and they did some uh, very complicated maths, which I won't, I won't bore you with. I lost a slip of paper. But the end result is that, uh, that 160,000 years worth of work, all that gold, all that money uh, that was owed to the king, uh, that's the equivalent to 160 million pounds. There is no way the man can pay back that debt. Uh, that's a, a ridiculous, extravagant debt. Uh, there's no way that the, the servant will ever be able to pay it back to the king. It's a, it's a comically big number. Uh, so the king decides to exercise his right and he has him thrown into jail. But, but then this happens. It says, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. A servant's master took pity on him. He cancelled the debt and let him go. The servant offers to pay back everything, uh, which is a, a completely ridiculous suggestion, isn't it? There's no way that the, the servant will ever earn enough money. There's no way he'll ever live long enough and work long enough to pay back uh, anything like the money that he's owed. It's a ridiculous, absurd suggestion, but as the servant begs the king, uh, there's something in the king's heart that softens towards him. Uh, as the, the servant begs forgiveness, the king's heart softens and melts. And as it softens and melts, he decides to have mercy on him. And he wipes off all of the debts. 160,000 years worth of work of debt is gone completely. That's meant to be an, an illustration of how God engages and treats us. We rack up huge debts against God, huge sums, huge sins. Uh, we sin uh, through what we, we know we do wrong, and even sometimes things we don't know that we're doing wrong offend God. Uh, and so we rack up huge, colossal sums of debt, huge sums. Uh, and sometimes we feel guilty and we offer to pay him back, and we say, God, we'll, we'll try and do enough, we'll try and earn our way, but but the king has mercy and pity on us and he wipes the debt clean. That was a punishment that was ours. But Jesus came to earth and paid our debt, paid all of the debt, everything that we owed. It was a, a ridiculous, huge sum. We're given a picture uh, of what it's like uh, to enter into relationship with God. That the debt's completely clean. God, because of his great kindness and mercy and love, enters into relationship with us and wipes the debt completely clean. But the thing is that that forgiveness, that mercy is meant to change us. It's meant to, to change the way that we live. It's meant to change the way that we engage with people. 
Uh, when, we, um, when we come and ask God for forgiveness, uh, we try and uh, change the way that we live. We don't want to be uh, always doing the same wrong thing. We don't always want to commit the same sin. Uh, we don't want to get caught up in habits and patterns of sin. But because of the mercy that we receive from God, uh, we're meant to, it's called repenting. We receive mercy uh, and we choose to walk in a different direction. Uh, we choose to live our life in a different way because of the kindness and the mercy of God. Uh, when you receive the forgiveness of God, what do you do with it? Uh, Do you carry on doing the same thing, doing the wrong thing, but but you felt better about yourself for a minute? Uh, Or do you commit to living differently? Here's the thing. Whether we come back uh, once, twice, or hundreds of times, God will always forgive us. Uh, God is merciful and kind, but but God has a better way for you to live uh, than your sinfulness. Uh, He has a better way for you to live. He has better plans for you, better hopes for you. And every time we sin, we we reject the plans of God. Uh, We reject uh, how God views us. We reject our relationship with him. Uh, We say that we know better, that that our own pridefulness and arrogance gets in the way of our relationship with God. Uh, God will always forgive us, but but there's a choice for us to make. Uh, Will we repent and turn and walk a different way? Will we choose to live differently? How are you doing that? Are you always caught up in the same patterns? Do you always make the the same mistakes? Do you do the same things wrong? Or are you resolved to walking differently? Uh, Sometimes it's helpful to have people walk alongside us. Uh, to point out when uh, we're doing things really well, uh, when God's working in us and things seem really good, but, but also to help us work out how to break sinful patterns, uh, what it is we need uh, to change the course of our lives. Are any of you uh, accountable to anyone? Do you share uh, what's going well and what you're struggling with? Because we're called, because of the, the great mercy and forgiveness, not to take that for granted, but, but to cherish it and love it, and because we cherish and love it, to live differently. Uh, to be released to live different lives. Uh, That's how it's meant to be. Uh, But unfortunately, uh, the servant doesn't do that. The servant makes uh, an interesting decision yet. The servant uh, leaves the courts of the king. uh, And then it says, But when that servant went out, he followed one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master uh, everything that had happened. The servant's just been shown uh, extravagant mercy, uh, utterly reckless mercy that the king has absolved the cost uh, of the debt incurred. Uh, And the king has forgiven him a a huge, ridiculous debt. And then this man goes out uh, and he sees someone who owes him a small debt, a hundred denarii. By comparison, a hundred denarii is nothing uh, next to 10,000 talents, next to 160,000 years worth of work, uh, absolutely nothing. Uh, And he sees this man who owes him a hundred denarii uh, and he can't even let him off that. Uh, But there's a a slight problem uh, in the telling of that. Because a hundred denarii is actually quite a substantial amount of money. I wish that the servant had just come across someone who owed him a denarii. And then we could say the servant was mean and tight-fisted and there was a, the servant needed to get his act together. But a hundred denarii is, is actually quite a lot of money. A servant, a servant worker like this man would have earned about a denarii a day. The servant is owed a hundred denarii, a hundred days' work. Imagine someone came into your bank account and they stole over three months' worth of earnings. And imagine that you have no savings. This man is hugely unlikely to have had lots of money stored up, 
You have no savings. And the passage tells us this man has a wife. Maybe he has children as well. Uh, this man, he's not got any savings. Someone's taken a hundred denarii from him and they've not paid it back when they should have done. And because they haven't paid it back when they should have done, maybe his, fa- maybe his family went hungry. Uh, maybe that there wasn't food on the table uh, when the wife and the children came round. Maybe they went hungry. It's, it's, it's easy to justify it, isn't it? This man is angry because someone made his family go hungry. His family went without. Uh, as the man in the household in that century, uh, it was his responsibility to provide for his family. And someone took that away from him. They took it away from him. So people went hungry. His family suffered because someone didn't pay him back when they were meant to. He is justified in being angry. Uh, It's easy to justify, it's easy to explain why this man goes and he grabs him and he chokes him and he gives him the punishment he deserves because someone has legitimately wronged him. It's not a small thing, but a big thing they've done against him. The thing is, tonight, some of us have wrongs that have been seriously done against us. Uh, We're not talking about small little things. Someone didn't nick three quid from us, uh, but someone did serious wrong to us. And maybe some of you are here tonight uh, and you've been really hurt by someone. Maybe your workplace is a really hard place for you to be. Maybe there's someone there who bullies you and takes advantage of you. Maybe there's someone at home or at school or at university like that who makes your life incredibly difficult. Who time after time after time seems to take advantage of your kindness and your generosity. Maybe there's something really serious that they keep doing to you. And if we sat down over coffee, we could talk it through and we could, uh, we could make it understandable why you didn't choose to forgive them, why you chose to withhold that, because they keep on hurting you and doing substantially wrong things to you. Uh, we can justify our own unforgiveness sometimes, uh, because the thing in itself is actually quite serious. It's a serious thing that's done to us often. Uh, people really hurt us sometimes. But the problem is, is that we justify it in isolation and we forget that actually someone owed 10,000 talents and they were forgiven. Uh, that actually we, we sinned uh, indescribably against God and God showed us mercy and kindness. Uh, we wronged God more than we were wronged by the person in front of us. Um, because, we, uh, because we were forgiven by God, we're commanded to show forgiveness to them there in that moment. Our forgiveness uh, doesn't mean uh, that we allow them to keep on walking over us. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we become a doormat. It doesn't mean we give people permission to keep on hurting us, bullying us, abusing us, taking from us what they shouldn't take. It doesn't mean that at all. Forgiveness means that we let the offense go. We let the anger and the resentment go. It doesn't mean the relationship remains unchanged. It means that sometimes we put in boundaries in place. Uh, We put in uh, some kind of rules, systems, whatever you need to put in. We have a a counseling department who would love to help you understand how to put in boundaries for healthy relationships, uh, how to make uh, that place sustainable. Uh, Sometimes what we need is to leave. Uh, If it's a a workplace or a group of friends where where someone keeps on uh, bullying us and taking advantage, our lives become uh, almost unbearable. Sometimes we need to leave that situation. If it's a marriage, then we need to go and get outside help and people to help us understand what we need to do in that space. Forgiving people doesn't mean that we make ourselves doormats, but it means that we let the offense go. It means that we choose to let uh, the position of judgment we've put ourselves in, where we can decide what's right and what's wrong. Uh, We choose to let that go. 
and we exercise mercy and kindness towards them. We choose to love them, we choose to pray for them. Uh, maybe the relationship changes, but we stay committed to their well-being, whether we are able to do that face-to-face anymore or it looks slightly different. Now, I have, um, I have no tips and no tricks to make that practically look any easier for you. But the, the message uh, we get from tonight's parable seems to be that, that there's something about looking at the mercy that God's shown us, uh, the kindness that God's poured out on us that makes this forgiveness more bearable. It makes this forgiveness easier because following Jesus is simple but hard. It's simple and hard, but it's made possible because of the love of God. It's made possible uh, when we recognize how deeply God cares for us and loves for us. We sang last week at the 11 o'clock that mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Love triumphs over resentment. Kindness beats anger hands down. In those spaces, in those relationships where we're finding it hard to forgive, where maybe we've been done legitimate, serious wrong, uh, we need to be reminded of the, the love and the kindness of God. Uh, God is always wanting to remind us how much he loves us, how much he cares for us. So we're going to create a, a space now. The band are going to um, come back on stage, and we're just going to hold some space and ask God to come and meet with us uh, and remind us how much he loves us, for him to demonstrate his kindness to us. Do you want to stand with me for a moment? It's, it's the love of God that, that makes the whole Christian life possible, but particularly makes forgiving people possible. Uh, when we know how much God loves us and cares for us, the, the mercy that he's poured out on us, uh, only then can we begin to pour out mercy and forgiveness on other people.